Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Rohan Karamandi. As usual, I'm joined by my good friend, Phil Hawthorne. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rohan. How's it going? And today we are joined by Dan. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Hey, guys. How are you? This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports their Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. All right. Why don't we jump right into it? So, Dan, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your, I guess, home assistant journey. Well, it's been a quick journey. Um, I got into home automation, I don't know, within the last five years or so. And yeah. I think it's the same story that you hear a thousand times. I wanted a platform where I could push all of these third-party processes together into one so I didn't have to have eight different apps on my phone. Yep. You no, know, one app for the kitchen lights and one app for the bedroom lights and then the alarm and the cameras and all that. And so uh, I bought a new house in October of 2020 and I figured that was the time to do it. And yep. so I did the research, looked at a couple other ones, fell into Home Assistant and here we are. Nice, nice. What drew you to Home Assistant specifically? Was there anything over another platform that you preferred? I think it was how open it was and the mm-hmm. community really. I, mean, I, yep. I really narrowed it down. I was between Hubitat and I was between Home Assistant. And yeah. it was the community, really. I was just, you know, I, I was looking online to see what was available resource-wise if you had questions. And, you know, you, you search Home Assistant community and that rabbit hole lasts as long as you want it to. So that was it for me. Yeah. I, f- I find a lot of times, even even like when you're just searching random stuff, and it's like, hey, here's this Home Assistant community link or post or whatever about whatever topic, right? So that's, yeah. No, I agree. No, that's wicked. And, and you know, I'd, I'd love to get, because a lot of, most people that we have on the show, again, or not, not all, but like a lot of folks that we have on the show are typically like, hey, you know, I've used it for multiple years and things like that. How is your, um, you know, what, one thing for me, again, personally, if you've listened to the podcast enough, you know that it's like the usability aspect of it, right? Is what, right. And how did you find that? And then, again, this is, keeping in mind, it was a platform built for, technologically like super super savvy and like and, and i guess let's start off with your comfort level with technology and and how you no i'm it. i'm pretty well versed in yeah. technology uh and the stuff that i'm not great at i'm not afraid to, to you know move right. into at first you know i opened it and at first it seemed pretty simple you had your basic dashboard uh i was extremely impressed at how fast it started finding things uh yeah. i'm big Philips Hue user. So you know how easy that is. They just pop in and, and there they are. Um, I have some LifeX bulbs. They popped right in, you know, that was pretty easy. And then it was just a matter of starting to, you know, build your house. So I want this room and I want that room and I want this stuff over in this category. And then, you know, building your groups and basically just your, you know, building the foundation of what you want to do. And then really sitting down and saying, what do I want this thing to do? Right. And that's where it, every day it is, uh, oh, wow, let's see if we can make it do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the biggest and most fun time suck, right? Like, Yes, it, it can definitely pull you in and, and take a lot of your time away from you if you will allow it to. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so you moved into this place. Um, what were your kind of, what were your priorities? How did you get started doing that? So I, I know you just talked about a little bit in the sense that like, you know, you wanted to, you kind of planned out like, Hey, I want to do this kind of thing and whatever. But like, so, so what, what did you, what did you end up, uh, end up doing? Well, you know, at first I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. You know, I maybe yeah. want to turn on some lights outside if there was motion detected on a camera or I, I, I didn't really know what I could do. So that's where I started jumping into the community and I started seeing just all these crazy things you could do. And then, you know, playing with the automations and then uh, loading up some other things and trying this and trying that. And then I stumbled upon Node Red. Yep. That changed it all. <laughs> yep. And uh, now the house does some incredibly complex things for very little reason whatsoever. And it does some incredibly complex things that have absolutely no value whatsoever, but it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What is your favorite one that it does? Um, honestly, the the most bang for the buck automation that I've made was something I made in Node-RED. Uh, I use Ecobee for my HVAC. Yep. And I built automated ceiling fans. And 
they work in node red. So my main living room has 18 foot ceilings. And so you can imagine it's like a thermocline in there. I mean, there's four or five degrees of difference between the ceiling and the floor. Yeah. We have a loft that goes up to the level above. And so when it's cold, like it is now, uh, I have a sensor that is tucked inside of an HVAC duct. It runs on a D1 mini and it's got a DHT sensor in it. And when it detects the temperature rises at a certain rate through a certain temperature, it says, hey, the heat's on. It reverses the ceiling fan. The ceiling fan starts spinning backwards to circulate the warm air throughout that room. Yeah. Speed of the fan is determined by how hot the duct is. Uh, and then in the summertime, it spins the other way. And when people are in the room, it'll keep it actually very, very comfortable in there without kicking on the AC and cooling the entire house. That's probably the most useful one that I have. That's interesting. Nice. And and did you say the sensor, the D1 is in your ducting? Like, like you just kind of like stuck it at the edge of the... So I've got floor ducts. I've got... Yeah floor registers and I've got one in the master closet and I just tuck this DHT sensor down inside of it. It's hidden by a dresser. You can't even see it. And cause I just wanted to see what I could do with it. And that's sure. what I, what I was doing is I was waiting for Ecobee, which I think pulls every five minutes or so to say heating. And then the fan would say, Oh, okay, we're heating. We can go into the reverse cycle. Now we start spe- speeding up. This is instantaneous. I mean, this thing is is banging back. It's a one second pull. So it's just yeah. instantaneously going back and forth. So it's yeah. very, very useful. Yeah. Sounds very yeah. useful. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, like I, I think that's, that's actually one of the, uh, one of the first times I've heard like this use case, right. Where you like, you stick it in there and then, and it, you know, it changes the direction of the fan even. And, and, uh, the, I guess the velocity of the fan, whatever the speed of the fan, uh, based on that, to me, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's it took a while to get there. There's probably ten or twelve iterations of it before we got to where it's at now. Sure, uh, a lot of frustration here and there. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, I use the Bond IO system to control the fans. Okay, uh, nice. It has a nice integration for Home Assistant. Basically, what it does, I think it can control up to 30, 40, 50 devices. Uh, so all the bedroom fans are controlled off this one bond unit that sits next to my hue bridge, actually. And uh, yeah. you basically set up your remote for your fan, point it at it like you're like you're programming any other universal remote. It picks up what frequency that remote is on, and then it blasts it out throughout the house. So you can control all the fans individually. You got them right there on the Home Assistant dashboard. You can control the speeds. It's nice. Nice. That's cool. So based so that's based on an IR fan or RF? Like it'll do know. both. Oh, that's cool. That is very neat. Okay. That interesting. Like Bond isn't like like James Bond kind of B-O-N-D. Yeah. I think Bond.io is the website. It's actually, it's a really, really nice product. You can control uh, shades with it. I believe you can do fireplaces with it. If you want to have fireplaces controlled by remote. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I just went, uh, oh, there's, it's not Bond.io. Oh, whatever. I'll find it. And Sounds like it could be um, similar to like a Broadlink. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. Do you know if it's two-way? Like if you were to grab one of those remotes um, and press a button on the remote, would Home Assistant detect that, you know, okay, this fan has been turned on by remote? That's something I'm going to have to try now that you bring it up. <laughs> Bond Home, bondhome.io. Got it, Bond Home. That's interesting, Phil. I'm going to have to check that out now. Cool, yeah. I, I would imagine it wouldn't um, just because, you know, generally, you know, they are just to, you know, they're IR blasters, right? So they blast out, they don't necessarily perceive. But, you know, if it does, then that would be amazing, right? That way you would have a... Yeah. It would also be a good way to do, um, like, more automations, right? Like if someone turns a fan on in a room, then you can know that room's occupied and can turn the lights on or, or whatever else, right? Right. Yeah. Or vice versa, which is, I guess, what you mm-hmm. kind of do, right? Which is, if you notice somebody's in the room, then turn the fan on too. Yeah, so I, I use um, occupancy sensors. I've started messing around with ES presence. Yep. Um, which is unbelievable. Oh, man, is that a rabbit hole you can go down into. Uh, so is that for, like, room presence? Yeah, um, I started with Room Assistant. Uh, yeah. Which is amazing in, in, its own, in its own right. And then I saw a post when ES Presence was pretty new, and I looked at it, and I said, wow, I need to try this. And the developer for that, very responsive on the GitHub uh, loves new ideas, has actually set up, you can put PIR sensors on the D1 with it and and tie those in for automation. So I haven't played with it enough. 
I am a few updates behind, so I'm not really sure what all they've added to it now, but it is, uh, it's fantastic. What I use in that living room to detect if anyone's in there is I use one of those AMG 8833, the little thermal camera. Yep. I've got it sitting up on that loft hidden away and, and pointing at the couch. And if anyone's sitting on that couch, the fan needs to turn on because otherwise you're just blowing air on nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so with your fan automation, like, I mean, you've got, obviously it's it's more than just see if there's, you know, air coming out the ducts or whatever and, and based on the temperature of it, but also um, like, it, again, you mentioned the IR camera that's pointing towards your couches that, you know, influence that and things like that. So do you do you find like, have you actually measured out like what kind of like savings that this, this gets you or some of that or. Yeah. So in the winter time, it's hard to say um, you can tell a discernible difference in how quickly it'll heat that, mm-hmm. that giant room. I mean, it'll heat a lot faster if the fans on uh, in the summertime, it is night and day because for whatever reason, and I actually spoke with, some of the developers at Bond um, because I tested an alpha and then a beta for the version of fan that I have. It goes against every law of thermodynamics, but when that fan is spinning backwards or spinning, spinning towards blowing air instead of sucking air, it actually holds the temperature down from based on where the ecobee is and it keeps it from climbing. So, you know, usually a fan spinning and it's not changing the temperature, but it, it's blowing on your skin. It's evaporating. Yeah sweat, whatever. It's making you feel cooler. This actually holds the temperature down. And if you're only in that room, if you're not in the kitchen, you're not in a bedroom, you're not anywhere else, and you're sitting there and the fan starts kicking up based on where the temperature's at, it keeps the air from kicking on. Hmm. And if it's a, you know, when it's one of those 95 degree days, you know, you're, you're not going to save it with just the fan, but if it's 80, something like that, you can keep the sure. air from kicking on pretty much all day long. So, you know, I haven't measured it because I added it so quickly from moving yeah. the house. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely, if you turn auto, I so I have an input Boolean called auto fan. And if you turn the auto fan off, um, the only thing that's controlling it then is the, is the AC and yeah. it'll kick on a lot quicker. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, uh, that, that part makes sense, right? Like where obviously if you're not regulating the temperature, then, then it needs to stay on longer. Right. But right. Right. Um, but it is, it is interesting that it's, it's that discernible, like just the difference between your, um, A and B, I guess, right. Doing it and not doing it. So, but, so you mentioned you also do ESP or ES presence, right? Yep. Um, and is that kind of the main presence detection that you have or? No. So my presence detection is, is pretty convoluted because yeah. I've run into the, I've run into the scenario where you're sitting on the couch watching tv and then you hear your alarm start beeping and the lights turn off and the tv turns off and you're like oh my gps position must have you know yeah yeah me down the street for a minute yeah well i use um i use life 360 Mm -hmm. as the primary gps tracker um i use the icloud integration which i found as far as device tracking goes is is not great but it's it's a nice backup and then i've used a bayesian sensor to also determine if I'm home and then, you know, and I have all these set to, to uh, the person. So, and, and when you go into my person, it's got, you know, three or four different things that yeah. list and it's, it's pretty accurate at this point. I haven't had any of those um, where I'm sitting on the couch and the lights go off and yeah, it's, it's pretty accurate at this point. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think like a Bayesian sensor is absolutely fantastic, right? Like if you can understand the logic and you've got enough sensors to build up a nice, you know, probability threshold, then yeah, those Bayesian sensors are really powerful. It's probably one of the most powerful, you know, integrations in home assistant there. Probably one of the most underutilized. Yes. You know, I think, Phil, I believe you wrote a post years ago about one of those, if I'm not mistaken. I did my, uh, my making home assistant, not presence detection, not so binary anymore. Yeah. Binary. And I actually used that when I was, when I was developing this thing. So good on you. Yeah. Hear that. Phil Hawthorne helping one user at a time. That's it. That's right. That's it. <laughs> uh, but no, it's amazing, right? Like, uh, cause the problem is real, right? Like when you automate so yeah. much and that GPS, you know, all it takes is just to get out of that home zone for five seconds and everything turns off. It, really frustrates people right yeah. frustrates well, me, what sure. mine does right now is is it's got an away mode obviously that sets the mm-hmm. alarm sets the hvacs into away shuts all the lights off you know does all your standard things you'd want your house to do when when you're gone but what it does is when it when it 
triggers Dan is not home, it then goes to, and I have this done in Node Red, and it uses the wait until node, which is one of my favorites, where something has to trigger or it has a you know a time, a timeout yeah. figure. And so what it starts doing then is I use, I can't remember if I use the ways. It's not the ways one. It's um, proximity, yeah. the proximity integration. It waits until I am greater than one mile away from home yeah. before it trips it into a way mode. Because that's cool. What if I go for a walk? Yeah. Right. I don't, if, if it's summertime and I go for a walk, last thing I want to do is come home and the house is 80 degrees. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's very, that's been very, very useful. Yeah. I've, I've been doing the same where I've kind of just like, I just made my zone bigger, just like, again, lazy way of doing it, but, but same, same effect, right? Like, so if I'm like, if I'm going for a long walk as an example, fine, turn off the AC and do whatever. Right. But if I'm, you know, going to my neighbor's house or something like that, then at that point, that's, that's just don't. Right. right. So, well, that's the stuff you get into when you do this is, is you do something and you're like, oh, this is going to be so cool. And then you find your use case wasn't exactly so useful and yeah. <laughs> you didn't really think it through. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it to- totally, totally hear that. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, I think that happens to everybody where you're like, oh man, I'm going to do this and this and this. And then you don't. <laughs> well, the funny, what I've learned about home automation is it makes you very aware of your own routines and the routines of your family because. Mm-hmm. I've got a new one that I made that uh, we can get into it in a minute, but it detects when you're asleep and yeah, you have to think about what do I do when I go to sleep and what do I do when I get up? What does my wife do yeah. when she gets up? What do we do during the school year when we get up versus what do we do on Saturday morning when we get up and what can I build that's smart enough to figure that out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I mean like, like, so what, what do you do? Okay. So, all right, you're going to have to follow me down this one. So at night, when it's time to go to bed, so at about during the school week, so obviously that's easy enough. You just load the school calendar into one of the calendar integrations and it knows when it's a school day. It knows when it's a holiday. It knows when, you know, uh, whatever. So it knows if it's a school day. So we have four kids. Two of them are my step sibling or my stepchildren and then two are mine and mine come. They're here at least. Yeah two days off, two days here, every other weekend. So you got to build it for when there's two kids here versus four kids here as well. And so what it does is about eight o'clock at night, let's say all four kids are here. We have a rule in this house that you have to spend 15 minutes just cleaning, just 15. Okay. So an announcement comes on the Alexa, which the Alexa media player app or the integration is amazing. Yeah. Agreed. That's so much. An announcement comes on. In five minutes, we're going to spend 15 minutes cleaning up. So whatever they're doing, you know, they hear that. Then it, the ding comes on, says, all right, it's time to spend 15 minutes. They go spend 15 minutes cleaning their room or picking something up. At the end of that, in the background, it takes all the kids' names and it calculates a shower order. And okay. then it back and says, here's tonight's shower order. And it names the kids off. What order <laughs> they go in. Because otherwise, it's, I, want to, I don't want to shower first. I want to go last. No, I want to go second. Yeah. You got to do it. (laughs) Chaos ensues. Yeah. Yeah. So my kids basically think Alexa is, you know, some goddess that, that runs the planet because she (laughs) makes change. She tells them what order they can shower in. Yeah. Um, And then at that point it starts paying attention to, it starts looking for a couple things. So I use NFC tags, the little sticker ones. Yeah. And I've put them on all the switch plates in the kids' rooms. You can't see them. They're white. The switch plates are white, but I know they're there. Mm-hmm. So when a kid goes in the room and you're getting them ready for bed, you tap your phone against the, the NFC. It pops up. You click it and it sets a routine for that room. It starts dimming the lights. You know, if my daughter, you know, if my son, my daughter turns the auto fan on because my daughter likes a fan. My son doesn't yeah. like the fan. Um, it starts, you know, I've got some life X strips behind the beds. It starts kind of a sunset routine. Um, it sets an alarm on my daughter's Alexa that's next to yeah. her bed if it's a school night. Uh, and so once you go through that, about 15 minutes after you you tap the NFC tag, it marks that kid as in bed. And then, so I've got three bedrooms on the top floor, two on the main floor, one in the basement. Okay. So 
Depending on who's there and who's not, uh, I have Ecobee temp sensors in each room. Right. So if my two kids happen to be at their mom's house, say tonight, like they are, why would I take their rooms into account when determining what? So at the end of the night, when all the kids are marked in bed, it will look and see, okay, who tapped the NFC tag? And it will go set a profile in the Ecobee saying, okay, I'm only paying attention to this room or I'm paying attention to these three rooms. And then it starts waiting for us to go to bed. And so I've got a couple of Govi, or I think they're Aurora. They're the um, table lamps, which if you haven't seen them, they are absolutely yeah, amazing. They're, they're awesome. They are unbelievable. Govi is quickly becoming one of my favorite. Yeah. Oh, same. Same. I mean, it's obviously the listeners can't hear this, but these are uh, see it, but the, uh, I have LEDs behind me. Uh, they're unbelievable. And, they're just, and I love them for yeah. the value too. They're just unbelievable. Oh, totally. And they go on sale often enough too. All the time. Right. And it pops up on the app with a flash sale. So anyway, uh, I put NFC tags on the top, on the button of those lamps and you, and it is the same size as the button. It fits right on there. Nice. So tap your phone on that, push that. And it switches Dan to getting ready for bed. Okay. Then I built a shortcut on my iPhone and I hadn't played with shortcuts on iOS in forever, but yeah. it's come a long, long way. Yeah. So I built a shortcut that says anytime that my phone either goes on charging or comes off charging, run an automation. Okay. So that's when I plug my phone in, well, then I made it to where it triggers an input Boolean when I either do that. And so what it does is when it detects that that automations run, it quickly updates the sensors on the, on the uh, home assistant companion app. Okay. So it will immediately see phones charging, phones not charging versus waiting, you know, 15 minutes or however long it takes to pull and look 30 minutes. Right. And so then once you've hit the NFC tag, once you've plugged in your phone, it's going to wait for me to reach over and turn that light off. As soon as I turn that light off, the Alexa in the bedroom whispers, good night, Dan. Yeah. We'll tell my wife good night. Um, once now at that point, it looks to see, okay, who's home? Because yeah. He's home, but she's not home. Why am I waiting for her if she's right. out? Home? So then it looks to see where is she? Right, right, right. She at work? Because if she's at work working an overnight shift, there's no reason to to take her into yep. account. So what it does is, and I, I skipped this step because it, it this is where it gets kind of convoluted. When you go somewhere in there before you start tapping the NFC tags, it looks to see where everybody's at. Yeah. And if you're at work, or if you're greater than, I believe I put 40 miles away, you're not, you're considered ineligible for, for sleep mode. But I have an input Boolean that says <laughs> eligible, and that means it takes you into account. So, yeah. for instance, if she goes to bed, but I'm watching TV, yeah. it doesn't put the house in sleep mode. Right, because you're still there and awake. I'm still there. Yeah. If I go to bed and she's watching TV, it doesn't put the house in sleep mode. But if I go to bed... And she's visiting family, you know, 41 miles away. It sure. puts in sleep mode. Right, right, right. So, you know, it's some trial and error with that. And then um, what it does is the next morning, I think at 5, 5.15 in the morning, an input Boolean triggers. It's called wake up mode. And what wake up mode does is it waits for your phone to unplug. Okay. So if your phone unplugs, you go into just waking up mode. It sets some of those wait until nodes, which I seem to use more than anything, waiting for motion sensors to trip in the hallway, out in the living room. It starts a nice, depending on what time of day it is, what the lux level of the living room is, starts a really nice sunrise routine with the LifeX can lights, the BR30 bulbs, and you go about your day. Wow, that actually is really cool. It's so much trial and error, but I'm telling you, now that it works, it works absolutely great. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. 
My favorite part about it though, is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored. So you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Have you have you considered using um, like a load sensor underneath the bed or anything like a, like a, uh, essentially to detect, you know, the additional weight of, you know, one or both of you on there? Yeah, yeah I thought about that. There, There's a real... To me, there's kind of a fine line in that whole, what do they call the wife acceptance factor or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, partner acceptance, yeah. Yeah, she um, tolerates this. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I mean, that might be something I, you know, could sneak in there quickly. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've thought about it. I've watched a couple of YouTube videos where people did it uh, and it seems yeah. pretty successful. I mean, at the end of the day, give me a sleep app. I, I use a sleep cycle app and I, I found a post somewhere where someone used a, a um, what do they call it? A imitated hue or a fake hue or yeah. I can't remember what it's called. And and they were able to to basically hack it together. So when you go to sleep on the sleep cycle app, it could put you to sleep. But I mean, give me an integration for that app and all of this can go away. <laughs> sure. But, yeah. That's... Yeah, I feel like I because again, I I use the Home Assistant iOS app always. I, it's it's again one of the greatest things that I have on my phone. Probably one of the most used uh, apps. Actually, it's not super super used, but like when I do need to quickly just go in and and my my for whatever reason my Amazon Echo just stop recognizing Good Night, and she'll be like, okay, and nothing happened. <laughs> so right. like, all right, cool. So like lately I've been using it, but like I've always, always really appreciated the apps, even that app, especially even with notifications and like all of that stuff. It's, it's like, you know, it, it's to me, it, that was like when they released that, that was game changing, right? hundred percent agree. And, but, but I do nothing with the information that the app provides me like, and, and charging has actually been there for probably since the start, maybe I want to say, or just since very, very soon after they, they launched the app at, at worst, right? Like uh, if not when they launched it. So but it's like, and, and I've heard of people doing the same kind of thing, right? It was like, okay, if I was charging, I'm probably in bed. And like, you know, the time is this and and I'm home, right? Cool. And I'm probably in bed. So it's like, okay, that's neat. Like I, but I, I never actually bothered to do it, but now I feel like I kind of want to. Well, you should go, go check out the iOS companion app and look at the sensor data that it. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that you can track, the problem I had with it was the update. You, there's no solid, you know, it's got different, different polling times and I could never really figure out what it was doing. And I would plug my phone in and keep looking at it and plug my phone in and keep looking at it. And then I found this update sensors yeah, uh, that you could send to it. And I'm like, well, wow, I just need to figure out a way to send that. I found you could send that on the shortcut app. That was it. Yeah. It yeah. I, I found that I found like apps like that like especially if i'm constantly updating so like i i used to use the icloud uh, i know you mentioned you use the icloud uh, tracker device tracker right i actually found that that actually started uh affecting my battery life on my phone um and i, I was like that. yeah and i was like all right it's not so now i i mean i use the ios app um pretty much exclusive exclusively for for my presence and it's been actually i'd say decent enough like like i care of i'm in the vicinity of rather than I'm exactly here, right? right. Like, uh, at, at least yeah. for the automations I have in my home. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued and I kind of want to try stuff and I don't know where I'm going to go, but this is, this is. My next project using shortcuts is, as I found one that um, when your car, when your phone connects to CarPlay, so when you would plug it in in your vehicle, yeah, obviously I'm in my car. Yeah obviously start paying attention to where I'm going. If I'm pointing towards the house, which you can do with the proximity integration, maybe start heating the house as you think I'm on my way home or cool the yeah. house. If you think I'm on. The problem I have with that is, okay, I'm headed towards my house, but there's a lot of stuff that's towards my house. You know, yes. That's what I've struggled with too, right? Like, how do you know, you know, are you going straight home or are you going straight past to go to a friend's house? Like, yeah, it's tricky. Right? Stop by the pub, whatever. Right. I've thought about doing an actionable notification, actually, and, and have it say, hey, it looks like you're heading mm -hmm. home or you're going home, and you could click yes, and there it does it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
And I, I, I know, I know, I think I want to say we've had people on the show in the past that have actually done exactly that, right? Where um, they tie it because, because uh, again, even with the native iOS app, it can actually detect, hey, you're heading this way um, from like, you know, if you have like a work zone and you're leaving and you're heading in their direction and right. you know, it, it integrates with or not integrates, but there's an automation to check the Waze app. Okay, based on this, you're 45 minutes out. 20 minutes into your drive, I'm going to go start turning on the HVAC, whatever that looks like. But See, it's your you're point of right there. Ways give me a ways integration where if I it knows where I'm going because of you know if if I say navigate where it talks into ways. Yeah. Yes, that is on my top three wish list. Integrate natively with ways, not where we are now, but let it talk to ways where it knows where I'm going. Yeah. yeah. I thought about like how we could like obviously you know we, we don't have access to make that happen totally, but you can share your drive with someone, yes. um, and that gives you like a web page that they can watch your drive. I thought maybe you could share that to you know like a, a script or something and get that to pull the updates. I, I sort of started looking into that, um, but it sort of got complicated with the way Waze communicates that data back through the browser. Right. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think. But that, know, that, that might be where be... your shortcuts come in too. Mm. Right, because because that that's not something I I know for a fact. Even it, even though it's my own automation, I'm not going to do that every time. I use <laughs> my phone. Unless there's something to do it for me, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you start reaching stuff where it's like you know, all right, I'm spending a lot of time doing something now because it has made me mad enough that I want to do it. But will I really use yeah. it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's it, right? And 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 it's also like. How how useful is it compared to what you have? Like how how much more is it embellishing your day to day or or overall life? Right. No, I mean that, that's that's your balance that you you've got to yeah sit there and think about. You know, I spent a lot of time making the whole sleep and wake up detection, but it's useful. I, I mean, it, it yeah. it's useful. It's helpful. The ceiling fan thing is helpful. Uh, I've done a whole bunch of other things that are just stupid. You know, they have absolutely no value whatsoever, but they're cool. Yeah, oh, dude, let's hear them <laughs> or, okay. or a couple of them. So I, I live in a city that has a busy airport and depending on this is another one that's it's going to be a, a deep rabbit hole. So Flight Radar 24, hmm. right? There is a node for Flight Radar 24 on Node Red. You got to go find it and download it. If you load it up, you put in where you are, and and I haven't done this in a while, so I'm I'm trying to remember how it works. I believe you put in, it detects your lat long. And what it does is it just spams you with airplanes all around you at all different altitudes, and you run a debug node, and it is just, the screen is just, just airplanes everywhere. So I made a a, a geo filter in Node Red, and I made a circle. And this circle is basically around my house, and then I made a vertical limit of five or 6,000 feet. So I only want to see the airplanes that are in this circle below 6,000 feet. Well, guess yeah. what? On a west operation, landing to the west at the airport that I live by, they fly over my house at about six, between five and 6,000 feet. Sure. Right. So why is that cool? Well, it's cool because now I could even zoom in closer inside that circle and when that airplane's flying over, I can have look on my phone and I can see what the call sign is, where it's coming from, where what the type aircraft is. And it it's kind of neat because people are, yeah. you know, in the house. I'm like, oh, look, that's so-and-so coming from Fort Lauderdale. Anyway, so I start thinking, well, I don't want this thing just sitting there constantly looking. I mean, what if they're on an east operation? Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're not going to fly over my house. Why is it sitting there continuously looking, looking, looking? So I said, how? How can I make it tell the difference? So I put another geo filter in node red right off the east edge of the airport. And once every 10 minutes, I believe, it takes a sampling and looks at the airplanes inside of this square. If the airplane's altitudes are descending, they're obviously landing. So it's on a west operation. If they're climbing, that means they're climbing out to the east. It's on an east operation. And the whole system shuts off doesn't pay attention to it neat okay that's kind of that's a good well i mean i don't know what the use case is but that's kind of cool to <laughs> no use case whatsoever. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what though it, it's I, I could see like if with like especially with kids especially if they're younger and stuff be like 
you know, you're out there, you're looking at airplanes, and you're like, oh, this one's coming from, I don't know, like, whatever, like, Aruba. Like, right. <laughs> sure, why not, right? Yeah. Like, my, my son does think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, and other than that, it was just to see if I could do it kind of thing. Um, one of the that's really stupid that serves little purpose, but it actually serves a lot of purpose, I yeah. think, is I have, uh, in, so I said four kids in the house. Yep. And in my living room, there are six can lights. Mm-hmm. There are two, one, two, and then there are four above the TV. Okay. So I have those lights differentiated by oldest, young, next youngest, next youngest, and the youngest. And so when it's in the whole time to go to bed mode, it looks at the temperature in their room and it changes the color of the lights based on the temperature of the room. And if the, if the light is green, it's comfortable. If the light's red, it's too hot. It goes from red to an orange, to a yellow, to a green, and then blue means it's too cold. So, you know, if the upstairs unit's on a way and, you know, the kids are doing their thing, it'll realize it's a little hot up here. And then all you got to do is, you know, flip a switch on the home assistant app, which I need to map it to just a physical switch in the house somewhere. Yeah. Look, and then you go, oh, it's still too hot upstairs. Or Right, 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 right. Go to bed. Green light means go to bed, kids. That's amazing. So so basically wait for the right temperature. And then once the temperature is good, you have no excuse to not go to bed. That's right. Not too hot upstairs. Look, the light's green. Go to bed. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I feel I feel like you and if you've listened to James Callahan on our episodes, uh, I think it's been on like one or two. Um, I, I feel like you two need to talk about like parenting <laughs> and like, so uh, that's that's pretty funny. James created like a cryptocurrency to for his kids, right? Like when they do chores, yeah. they get like rewards and that dictates how much money or whatever they can spend their rewards on, right? Like see that's great. Yeah. Or take yeah. it away. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna actually do a chore system through it one of these days. Uh I don't know what the reward will be. Or if yeah. like the reward the reward will be I'll figure something out that has, you know, a use case that I can uh that I can feel is worthy of trying i know some parents use like screen time apps so you know you could give limit screen time um, and then you know you can give credit you know okay you you did your chores today so you get 10 minutes of extra screen time or something like that so there you go yeah Yeah. start start putting a positive spin on stuff you don't want to do you know what if you do this you get to cut the grass tomorrow (laughs) 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 so Start the or or do the obviously the negative always works, but <laughs> just to make it interesting a little bit. <laughs> of course, yeah. So I mean, I've got a lot of things I want to do. Um, it's time, you know, yeah. time, yeah. and it's. I think it's like any other hobby. If you if you do it too much for a while, you burn out on it, and you kind of go away. From sure, and you come back to it. Um, there's some projects I'd like to tackle uh, before summer gets here. Um, you know, we'll see. Life is busy. Yeah, yeah. That's it. But so you mentioned before you've got LifeX, you've got Hue, you're using your Bond system for your fans. Any other technology you're using around the house apart from the Amazon Echo that you is part of your smart home ecosystem? The Echo is a huge part of it. Uh, lighting wise, I I have a hodgepodge of stuff. Mostly Philips Hue. Look, the LifeX bulbs. The BR30, the big can lights, they're like eleven hundred lumens. They have the most beautiful color spectrum. Just unbelievably, just amazing colors. Yeah. Only gripe I have about them is, is I wish that you could get those in a, in a Zigbee form because they're Wi-Fi controlled. And you know how it is. If something goes wrong with your Wi-Fi, even for a tenth of a second, you know they're not as responsive as as like a Philips Hue. Um, I've used Fight Electric bulbs. Um, use those through the Tuya app. Um, I've used, uh, I'm trying to think of the name in I believe is the company that makes the switches. I have one of their light strips, which I'm going to tell you right now, each led on that strip is addressable. So forget having, you know, with Govi on the RGBIC, you know, they have a yeah. number of zones, this thing, every individual led is addressable, yeah. but you have got to have a computer engineering degree. To throw <laughs> I mean, there is a huge post yeah. in one of the forums about making scripts to get this, these things to work, but man, do they put off some nice colors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, right? Sometimes with, with the a effort or B money or C both, right. It, it, you get some really cool things that come out of it. 
Uh, I'm going to, I just bought some nano leaf triangles for my son. Yep. Uh, we're going to try that integration out. That I absolutely week. love nano leaf. Yeah. I've too. got the canvas and they are just spectacular. Are they? I, it seems almost like they're uh, trying to discontinue the canvas because you can't buy them at Best Buy anymore. You can buy the triangles. Oh, interesting. The uh, but I, you can buy them off their site. But I really like the canvas because I, when I was looking at, I was, all right, don't tell anyone. I was looking on Pinterest. I won't yeah. admit it. Oh, wait a month. <laughs> That's right. I saw one that looked that they had like the Space Invader character made out of the canvas. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. Just unbelievable looking. Yeah. I think the problem is it just, so bloody expensive. Like I think they are. four tiles, you're looking at like a hundred dollars or something like that. Yeah, they are. And and so oh. what I've noticed is you sit there and you're like, okay, well, I want to do this. Well, I need twelve tiles. Well, it only comes with seven. Yeah. Well, so let me buy this four pack expansion, but wait, that only gives me eleven. I need twelve. So am I gonna have to buy two of them? You know, and yeah. then what am I gonna do with the extra ones? So, you know, I wish. And then you look at like all the examples in like, you know, their gallery or on Pinterest, right? And, you, and I'm looking like there's $10,000 worth of you know, yeah, wall you tiles seen, right there, right? In the picture where the entire wall is done? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, no way. Like that's, that's 10 grand. At that point, why? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Just paint the wall if you want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, get a projector I, uh, at that point, but. Yeah. No, I um I love the integration. I just wish it was cheaper. Honestly, that's my only gripe. With. How do they look? I haven't even plugged these things in. Are the are the colors nice and the brightness nice? Yeah, it's nice. So yeah. um I haven't got the triangles, but I've got the canvas, and you can sort of see like it's just four squares basically. Right. Um, the cool thing with the the ones I've got is that you can play games. You know, like Memory. Oh, um, that's um, yeah, yeah. Um, even like it can respond to music. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, uh, the only thing I use Ift for is when the Amazon echo timer goes off, uh, it sends a webhook to home assistant and I then got a recipe for, uh, a recipe, I guess they're called or a palette. I'm not sure what uh, Natalie calls them. Um, but basically just flashes, uh, the canvas in the same colors of the Amazon echo. So that, you know, dark blue, light blue sort of thing to say right. a timer has gone off somewhere. Um, and then all the lights around the house will flash anyway. Um, but yeah, I, otherwise I just use Home Assistant basically to just randomize a, a scene in the nano leaf. Um, and yeah, the, the colors are fantastic. That's cool. Good. My son will love that then. Uh, we just built my daughter for Christmas. We built this um, light in her room and we use Govi's. It's like a rope LED. It's I think they call it their neon and it's flexible tube and yep. it's, mm-hmm. and it's RB. RBGIC where it has the individual zones in it and, and yeah. you know, we put it up in a heart on one of the, on a piece of plywood and we put that fake boxwood grass on it, you know, and um, it looks amazing. The yeah, only yeah. complaint I have about Govi and Home Assistant is you, you, you cannot control those scenes via their API. So you can turn it on, you can turn it off, you can set the brightness, that's about it. You can set a color. Yeah. But you can't make it do all those cool scenes that they have. Yeah, yeah. Even with my light bar behind me, it's like you. Again, there's, there's, I guess, different sections to that, right? So I can have like, you know, the base of it be blue, and then the middle of it be something else, and like, you know, whatever, right? Uh, you can't do any of those things, obviously, because again, I think the problem is that's, it's not, it's not. There's no standardized way of doing it, so they'd have to create a Govi specific way of. Right. doing that right rather I than followed, just be like, i followed the uh integration on the community forums and i believe it's it's in hacks i think it's in the hack store and then yeah. i don't know i don't remember if i asked somebody asked and they said yeah the the scenes aren't and and also transitions you can't do transitions yeah i love transitions they're not available in the api anywhere they can find so yeah you'd have to have something a little more official than you know what they've pieced together what but what they've pieced together has been fantastic the way it is it's just you know and here we are you talk about first world problems i'm saying i can't set you know my wall light to look like it's on fire from on automation I mean, <laughs> what the hell yeah yeah, yeah. You know, what, the hell? <laughs> yeah. what kind of world is this i live in yeah 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 no it's but 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 again it's you know what it's i still i still really like the product again I, this is really the first like instance of like leds that i've put around my house I have, I do want to do a whole bunch more, um, but I was just like, okay, let's just get the stuff set up. And, and yeah, I, I, I'm very impressed with it. So I will tell you, LifeX strips are amazing. Yeah. They're pricey. That's what I was going to say. They are amazing. 
and they have nice transitions and, you know, I've got them behind the, my kids' beds where it paints the wall and mm-hmm. got nice sunset sunrise routines that run and, and they are very, very, very nice. Yeah. Are they addressable as well? Um, you can do, you know, now that you bring that up, I don't know. Cause I know I've got the, the Philips Hue light strips once again, pricey, right? But not addressable. Right. Um, right yeah. yeah they're they're so i mean it's the whole thing's red the whole thing's purple yeah you know? yeah and, so it's not. and i'm i'm sorry i love phillips hue i love the zigbee i love you know their their colored bulbs look nice they don't look as nice as lifex but you know as far as i turn on the switch and they turn on every single time they're the best but they're light strip they're expensive and they're not i mean they, they do one color you know they're um TV strip, you know, you got to buy that box to plug them into. Govi's yeah. TV strip, I just got one, is amazing. The one with the camera up front? Yes, that's amazing. Yeah, wow, I got to check it out. Yeah, I, I was looking at when I got this, I was going to get that one and be like, whatever, I can just try it out and see. And worst case, I'll just not use the camera thing because again, it's it's accent lighting, really, is all it is. And I was right. like, okay, but uh, but yeah, I didn't, I cheaped out at the end. <laughs> You know, what's weird, though, is even just having the TV light on, you know, when it's dark in the room, like if you're in sleep mode, like I've got some lights that'll kick on if the house is in sleep mode and it notices someone's going into the kitchen just so you don't stub your toe, something like that. Just that light being on. I mean, you know, just a a very, it just looks cool on the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, it's funny. I, I'm unplugging my like table lamp in my office and stuff like that. Just, just like, same, same kind of idea, right? Get, get a little more like moody. Essentially, is, is what it is, right? And, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of cool. I've had the conversation that we're not turning our house into a nightclub, and it's like I'm not turning it into a nightclub. It's just some, you know. Well, let's, let's not let's not take any ideas off the table. But no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not define nightclub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. That's funny. But so, I mean, overall, so it sounds like your, your, you know, houses, you said you just got the house in 2020, right? So 2020. Yep. So it's, it's come together and, and, you know, where, where do you go from here? Like what, what is your next kind of, um, I've started doing a little more with ESP home type stuff. So I love doing things with the D one minis. Um, I've played with some of the sawn off switches, those are amazing because you talk about taking an extension cord and cutting it and putting one of those in the middle and suddenly you have a yeah, yeah. cord, right? I want to do some outdoor lighting. Uh, I've got some outdoor lights that paint the front of the house in white light. It's yeah. just a, it's a point of finding RGB outdoor lights in that bulb format that are bright enough yeah, and that I want them to be Zigbee controlled. So I found a couple of Zigbee controlled ones. I just bought one or two of them on Amazon, <clears throat> but they're only like 200 lumens. So they're not bright enough. The ones that are in there, I think four to 500. And so I'm struggling to find ones I want there. But my, my next big project is uh, I really want to build a uh, swimming pool controller. Cool. And there are a couple of good write-ups on that. Um, there's, yeah. There's some really cool stuff you can do doing the software and hardware. That's, that's going to be tough for me. Cause that's a little outside of my wheelhouse, but sure. you know, we'll figure it out. But you know, you look at it, um, you know, you, you buy one of these Hayward systems for your swimming pool. Next thing you know, you can drop $10,000 and sure. you know, I had a pool guy come over and he goes, Oh, well you should do this. And I said, well, what do I really get for that? And he says, well, you can, you can tell Alexa to turn on your swimming pool light. And I'm like, who cares? <laughs> You know, like, well, you could, you know, yeah. turn on the swimming pool light with your phone too. And it's like, who cares? You know, yeah. if I want to have, if I'm going to have automation in my pool, I want the thing to add, change the Value pH added. based on what it's reading and, you know, change the salt cell setting based on, you know, if people have yeah. been swimming today. And, you know, I, w- I want to be able to do that. I want it to set the variable speed pump to the correct setting based on what time of day yeah. it is. Yeah. You know, not yeah. this, oh, I can turn on a light with my phone. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. You want something like, as he's mentioned, right? Like you want it to get to the level where it's saving you time in maintenance and uh, also, you know, saving you time in, in, or saving you energy costs, right? You know, like only turn the pump on, you know, when you're running solar energy in the day or something like that, right? Exactly. Exactly. I, I want, if I'm going to do something like that, it's got to have a lot of use for me to even be interested in it. You know, it's yeah. got to do more than turn on a light in the pool. Uh, yeah. and there's a lot of stuff you can do and you can, 
you know, there, there are a couple really, really good write-ups out there. Um, but you're getting into the realm of, you know, looking at data packets that are coming off of a port from a, you know, variable speed pump and they're coming off there like, you know, twice a second and you're trying to figure out what's what. And, you know, that may be a bit advanced, but, um, you know, with some of the sensors that are available out there, you can check the pH of your water. You can see what the salt level of the water is, that you can do things with that. And, um, you know, there's some some of the write-ups out there. The guys have pumps where you can pump the acid in to to change the pH, and that's all really cool stuff. And that you're approaching commercial grade swimming pool yeah. controllers at that point. Um, so you know, I don't know if it's something I could figure out between now and this summer, but that's definitely a project I'd like to get into at some point. Yeah, that's very cool, actually. And then and that you can even like just I guess you could lab it up and and play with it and see where it goes right yeah i'll just wait for phil to write an article about it and i'll just copy that it's usually step what I do. one get the pool yeah Damn i've got that it. step two i'm already tired of cleaning it so yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah that's that's it right like if i'm you know my wife and i are looking at getting a pool one day and you know cleaning it you know how do we automate that do we just pay a company to come out and clean it for us every month or no you buy the robot yeah yeah the robot's actually good I was going to say, you, you, you get oh, like the Roomba ones, right? Uh, like kind of, it's not by Roomba, but like, or iRobot yeah. or whatever, but it's the same thing. Well, mine's by, um, I can't respond. It's yeah. unbelievable, man. I mean, it is. So I had the, you know, the regular one, you, you plug into the vacuum port and the pool yeah. thing runs around and chokes itself on its own cord and doesn't really do anything. <laughs> yeah. And then I got the rope, yeah. the robot for Father's Day. You throw that thing in the pool and it maps the bottom of the pool out. The next thing you know, you have the most beautiful pool you've ever seen and pull it out clean the filter out throw it back in the pool and do it all over again it, those things are amazing yeah i always thought they were like a gimmick right like you know how you get like a, a vacuum cleaner for the house right and it goes around and it you know sucks around like just pushes the dirt around right it doesn't suck anything up i assume that a pool one would be like similar right no they're amazing they they suck up so much stuff that it is uh unbelievable that's cool all right that is neat i do have a pretty cool uh, robot vacuum automation that I put together and it uses those same NFC tags. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you scan those NFC tags during the day, it logs each room as needing to be vacuumed. And then when the house goes into a way mode, the only the rooms that you hit will get vacuumed. Interesting. That so is I, really cool. Yeah. I have a Neato D seven and then actually you can, um, you can send it commands via the integration as to which room to go to. So that's pretty cool. And and it has it mapped out, like it knows kind of the yeah. the blueprint of your house, whatever, mm-hmm. essentially. Cool. Yep. That's neat. That's actually a really good use case. You know, go around, just tap the right, clean this room, clean this room. And then, you know, once everyone's left, away it goes, right. right? Right. Have you found any issues with, you know, cords being left on the ground, getting chewed up or? Yeah, that's why, uh, that's why you got to make sure that if you're going to scan that room that you can't have any stuff on the floor. Right. Gotcha. Otherwise, you know if I trusted the kids were actually using that 15 minutes to clean anything up, I would just let the thing run every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. All right. Um, any, any last, uh, kind of things you want to add there, Dan? No. Um, just how much fun this is and how much this actually makes you learn about yourself because, like I said earlier, if you're going to be successful at building an automation, you really have to investigate yeah. what do I do? Because that's where, you know, you, you fall into the trap is, you know, you, yeah. you, you leave things wide open when you don't come straight home on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so, and you know, the, the thing that this has really taught me um, is this stuff, if you really put just a little bit of effort into it, you know, you think about Home Assistant, especially what Home Assistant has become in just 2021. And to me, it looks like Home Assistant is turning into something that is for people with more of a moderate, you know, level tech background, where before it was, it was very, um, it was very tech specific. And now, you know, 100%. with the yellow coming out and every, or the amber coming out and the blue, you know, you're not having to put together a raspberry Pi and you're not having to, you know, do those things. Yeah. It seems like they're making it to where the end user can be someone that doesn't have a great love for the techie world. But yeah. I think a lot of people don't get into this simply because they're afraid of it. Yeah. But 
with that community out there, there's really no excuse. No, exactly. And 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 again, I'm not I'm not going to lie and say you know super complex things. Still going to be super complex, but at least you're kind of day to day. You can knock off probably I don't know seventy eighty percent of the stuff you want to do at least easy. Absolutely. Right, especially with even the new the newer automation engine that's in there, um, and uh, even stuff like Node Red and and like you know just makes it easier, right? Yeah, Node Red is uh is its own animal, and I've yeah. I've talked to a few people that are like I I like Node Red because it's so much easier, and it's like you do yeah. realize you still have to pass the payload, right? You you do realize that by going to Node Red, you don't just escape having to have perfect syntax and no yeah you know you just get to visualize it that's yeah it. and for me that's all that's all it is right and 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 i mean i've been vocal enough on this and i was like uh, again i i i've always kind of said like i don't really care for it like it's not it's not like whatever i have it it's work like i have regular automations yaml style works whatever and uh, and one of my colleagues was like dude no you got to try this and i'm like i don't I don't want to do that. Right. And, 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 and it just, it eventually I just like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And, and I did it and I was like, damn, okay. I, I really like this. Right. And absolutely hooked. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now I look, I think, especially with the new automation engine that's in there, it has its place, you know, because sure. look at the end of the day, node red is just one more thing that can fail to load properly yep. and 100%. nothing in there works. Right. So it, when it runs, outside of the actual home assistant engine. I mean, it is one more thing that can fail and not work correctly. And, and I get that. And I hear a lot of yeah. people say, well, that's why I don't use it because I want a single point of failure. I want everything within home assistant. But I think the home assistant automations, they they have their place. And I have a fair number of those. Most of my uh, outside lighting that comes on based on the position of the sun is done via those because it's just easy. And I have a lot of scripts sure. um, that I run in there simply because it's it's there it's easy and they've made it so much easier to make to make really good automations in there yeah yeah that's exactly what i mean and and even stuff like blueprints and stuff like that right hey you know what cool well you know phil did this three months ago and threw a blueprint upgrade let me grab that and dump it into my thing and hit this node this guy here go there and figure it out right have you checked out the blueprint for scripts because i haven't yet i haven't no phil have you not yet. That's my plan. I, as I mentioned in the last episode, you know, I'm starting. I've got zero automations running right now. Um, done a fresh install for the new year in a new house, uh, and my plan is to just go into his blueprint as much as I can. Right? Um, yeah. There so, are yeah. really cool blueprints out there if you go look. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some really, really cool blueprints. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny because when they first came out with blueprints, like obviously there was a, there's you know an influx of them, and then they kind of like paused a little bit not paused but it was like you you weren't seeing as many come in and then and then they started like picking up again right which is really cool yeah there's some there's some really really interesting stuff in there if anything i like taking the blueprints just to see how did they do this totally you right know, and, and again the blue the blueprints don't work for every use case so great right. take the logic and modify it as you see fit right exactly no that's, that's exactly right and i just but you know a lot of times it's it's fun to come up with something and then throw it out there to that community and say, Hey guys, I'm going to spitball an idea here. How do we, and I've done this on, on the uh, home assistant subreddit a few times is, Hey, I got an idea. I want to do a, how do we get to that? Let's spitball some ideas and you'll get 15 ideas that you never even thought of. Totally. Totally. And that's why, that's why even, even, I mean, I'd say Phil and I are very lucky in the sense that even as we, as we talk to folks again, like yourself, it's like, Hey, cool. And you, you know, all these neurons start firing off being like, Oh, I never thought to do it that way. Right. And like, this is neat. Okay. Well, what happens if I do that? And so it's, it's, and again, I, I know I can speak for both of us when I say this, but like, it's, it's, we love the community, right? Like it's, um, and yeah. it's amazing. So that's, that's, I mean, that's pretty much everything with home assistant. I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to do 75% of the stuff that I've, that I've done without the community. I mean, I've, you know, I had to learn how to pass oh, yeah. payloads in Node Red. You know, I mean, you you keep firing nodes and you get errors and you do you debug it and you don't know what the hell the debugger's even telling you. And you go into you know you go into a community forum about Node Red. You throw something up. The next thing you know, you know they're talking you through it. And yeah. and then you're better for next time. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And 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 you know, hopefully you got the chance to whether publicly or privately, like, you know, somebody's like, Hey, uh, Dan, you know, what do you, what do you think of this? And you're like, Oh, right. Just, I did this and this and this. Right. And right. 
So cool. Well, Dan, thank you so, so much. Yeah, this has been an amazing, like just those NFC tags around on those switches, right? Like to clean the room, just to, you know, just say who's, you know, who's ready for bed, who's, you know, yeah, I think the, that, that idea alone has sparked a lot of uh, ideas for me that I'm going to be using NFC tags around the house more. Yeah. You got a new house, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, here you so, go. They are so useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's like, even if I've got the, uh, the NFC readers that um, you can get from uh, Adono um, with yeah. you know, like the 3D printed, you know, um, they're cool as well, right? Just to have the, the reverse logic, you know, have a, a tag in a certain room that you can go up and, and play music in a certain room. Here's a tag for, you know, the Frozen soundtrack. Bam, plays in this room, right? So I'm going to skip that one, but um, yeah. I'll take it <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of Phil's favorite albums. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Don't tell anybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, thanks well, yeah. a lot. Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, guys. It's been great. Of course. Cheers. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.